Hello, and welcome to Dialogue in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, and I have the pleasure today of meeting with Dr. Matab Samimi. Dr. Samimi is a dermatologist with expertise in oncology at the Dermatology Department of the University Hospital of Tours in France, with clinical and translational research on Merkel cell carcinoma since 2008. And today we're going to be speaking on her recent publication in the Journal of the American Academy of Dermatology. Dr. Samimi, welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here with the audience. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very welcome. Dr. Samimi, can you start by telling our listeners, how did you become interested in this topic? Yes, of course. As you mentioned in the introduction, the overall topic of Merkel carcinoma is our research topic for 10 years now. And basically started in 2008 when this cancer was found to be associated with the virus, with the Merkel polyoma virus. I was a resident in chief by then. So we started a collaboration with virologists, pathologists, and we now have a cohort of nearly 400 patients with MCC. And we can answer different questions on their outcome, on their biomarkers, transpersonal research, and so on. And the question that we are answering in this work is the impact of the surgery, which is a very important aspect of the baseline treatment for most patients. Yes, so as you mentioned, your most recent research resulted in a publication entitled Narrow Resection Margins Are Not Associated with Mortality or Recurrence in Patients with Merkel Cell Carcinoma, a Retrospective Study, and this just came out in the JAD. Now, in the United States, Merkel cell carcinoma is typically treated with a wide margin and sentinel lymph node biopsy at the time of surgery and also adjuvant radiation. This study takes place in France. How are Merkel cell carcinomas managed most commonly in France? Oh, so basically it's the same than in the US because we have uh, European guidelines that are quite the same that the uh, US guidelines. So we move the tumor with the wide margin and the current guideline states one to two centimeter margin. We perform the sentinel lymph node biopsy when possible and um, in most cases, adjuvant radiation therapy. And in our cohort, it is well described that the margin is almost, most of the times is two centimeter, that the, most of the patients have adjuvant radiation therapy, but we only have 30% of patients who actually had the, the sentinel lymph biopsy. And this is something that should be improved. Very interesting. So can you tell our listeners, how did you design this study? So, as I told you, we already have this ongoing cohort of 400 MCC patients from 10 locations in France. So basically, we looked back retrospectively at the cohort and we selected the patients who had surgery of their primary tumor at baseline. And we split the cohort in two between those who had narrow margins, those who had what we called wide margins, and we compared the baseline characteristics and the outcome for, between these patients. And our main outcome was to assess disease-specific survival, which means the deaths related to the cancer itself between these two groups. 
Okay. And it looks like you designed narrow margins or you defined narrow margins as 0.5 to one centimeter. And you defined wide margins as greater than one centimeter. Is that correct? Yes. And how did you choose those margins? So that's an excellent question, actually. The guidelines state that the surgery should be between one to two centimeter margins. And a few years ago, we would say up to three centimeter margins even. So now they state one to two centimeter margins, but even two centimeter margins can be quite challenging, you know, in these elderly patients, on the head and neck, on the limbs, especially when the primary tumor itself already measures several centimeters, that's it's, in the, that's it's a case in MCC. So the question was, can we go lower than that? Lower than one centimeter, one centimeter and, uh, and below. But on the other hand, we could not consider that removing a tumor with a one millimeter or two millimeter margins could be considered as a satisfactory surgery you know, it's rather just a biopsy. So we considered that five to 10 millimeter margin would be no margin, no. Okay, so anything less than five millimeter margin was excluded due to the potential for inadequate resection. Narrow margins is defined as five to 10 millimeters and anything greater than 10 millimeters or one centimeter was defined as a wide margin, correct? Correct, absolutely correct. And what did you find? So what is interesting is that the narrow margin group didn't look so great at first glance. These were elderly patients, these were tumors of the head and neck, they were immunosuppressed, so they were not prone to have very good outcome. But basically other factors were the same between the two groups, you know, whether they had incomplete incision or not, whether they had received adjuvant radiation therapy or not. And basically all the outcome were the same between the two groups, which means the disease-specific survival, the overall survival, uh, the risk of recurrence, the risk of local recurrence, and so on. And of course, we did a multivariate analysis to adjust for every compounding factor, such as the disease stage, such as the incomplete excisions, and so on. But margins did not affect outcome in any of these analyses. But what was the crucial point for prognosis was incomplete margins. There, there was a threefold increase of recurrence or death in those who had incomplete resections. And this was another crucial finding of the work. So I'm looking now at table one, and I'm looking at patients in both the narrow margin and the wide margin cohort. And it's interesting but some of the patients in the cohort treated with more wide margins had some high risk factors, or actually I can see that in both of the cohorts, narrow margin and wide had risk factors that you would think would set them up for poor outcomes. But what you're telling me is even with some of these higher risk outcomes, both groups tended to have the same overall survival. Is that correct? Yes, yes, of course. And, you know, uh, we thought that the group with double margins is because of all this data would have impaired outcome. But when sure. adjusted for every factors, they had same survival and same degrees of recurrence. That's very fascinating. So even though the 
both cohorts basically had some risk factors. And even though some of the greater risk factors were in the group that were treated in, with large margins, you saw similar outcomes in both. So it's really interesting. And I think that brings up the next question as to what would happen if you defined a wide versus narrow margin differently. I know that's not published in the study, but did you happen to look at any other designations of wide versus narrow in your analyses? Yes, actually, we also looked for a two centimeter margin as a definition of wide margin. You know, it was less interesting because there already were several studies that looked at this and which didn't found any difference when considering margins below two centimeters compared with over two centimeters. And we didn't evidence either any difference when taking two centimeters as a cutoff. We found it more interesting to challenge the guidelines when considering one centimeter margin as a cutoff between narrow and wide margins. And we didn't so see any difference either on outcome. Very interesting. And what sort of questions are you thinking of addressing in future studies? I mean, sometimes when a study like this comes out and has sort of a, a somewhat surprising result, I would think, you know, historically, we've always used very wide margins for Merkel cell carcinoma. And this is saying that maybe we don't have to. What other questions are you thinking need to be addressed? Yes, you're right. The results may seem surprising, but what I didn't mention, and it is very crucial for the audience, is that nearly all of patients had received adjuvant radiation therapy, you know, on the tumor bed. 70% of them had received adjuvant radiation therapy. And the other studies, especially in the US, which showed that the margins could be narrow margins, also had 70% of the patients uh, who had received adjuvant radiation therapy. So this decrease of the margins can only be extrapolated in settings where adjuvant radiation therapy is done. It's something very important before recommending uh, low margins uh, for the audience. That's the first point. And the second point regarding upcoming studies, it's something we are going to look at more deeply in the cohort, is the role, the impact of adjuvant radiation therapy, as I mentioned. It was not specifically looked at in this, this uh, study because it was not designed for this. But we want to look now to what extent adding adjuvant radiation therapy improves the local control or maybe even improves the distance uh, metastasis. Yes, that, that's very critical. It's important, like you mentioned, that we basically control as many variables as we can. And if the patients in the cohort were treated with adjuvant radiation. That, that's very critical that that remains standard, as you mentioned. One thing that is sort of a growing trend in the United States is using Mohs micrographic surgery for the management of tumors. It's somewhat controversial in these higher-risk tumors, things like melanoma and obviously Merkel cell carcinoma. Did any of the subjects in your cohort have Mohs micrographic surgery? And then if so, my second question would be, do you think that affects outcomes? So that's an excellent question also. None of our patients was treated with Mohs surgery because, you know, I, I don't know what's the proportion of Mohs surgeons in the U.S., 
But in France, for skin cancers, it's only a minority. There are mainly two or three locations in France who routinely offer more surgery for the patients, and these locations are not part of our cohort. But what I know for Mercosur carcinoma from the U.S. National Cancer Database is that there is no significant increase or decrease of survival between traditional white local excision and more surgery in Mercosur carcinoma, according to the National Cancer Database. That's very interesting. Dr. Samimi, this is all very interesting work and definitely has some implications for the future as far as treating patients with Merkel cell carcinoma. As you mentioned, many of these patients have tumors on the head and neck, and it's just not practical to think that you can take a two centimeter margin on the nose or on the eyelid or on the ear, for example. So I applaud this research. I think it's exactly what we need. The other thing I'll say is that Merkel cell carcinoma as melanoma, it's trending in a direction we don't like to see. More and more patients are being diagnosed with Merkel cell carcinoma today than years ago. So as we see more of these patients and we understand how best to manage the disease, it's important that we know what we need to do to affect survival and what may not have a difference or may not make a difference. You mentioned adjuvant radiation and that the patients in this cohort did have adjuvant radiation. That is one thing that definitely we should continue to monitor. How has immunotherapy changed the course of a patient with Merkel cell carcinoma? And did this come into play with your study at all? It's, again, an excellent question. You only ask excellent question. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> So I think it doesn't affect the cohort so much because, you know, immunotherapy has just been provided for the two last years and only for stage four metastatic patients, first point. But what is really interesting is that all you're discussing now may be obsolete in just a few years because the trend now for melanoma and probably for Mercosur carcinoma, is to provide the immunotherapy before surgery takes place, actually in a neoadjuvant setting. And there's a small work on Mercosur carcinoma with neoadjuvant immunotherapy. You know, patients received two infusions of nivolumab and had the surgery at four weeks. And it showed that 80% of them had reduction of their primary tumor and 50% of them had what we call a complete pathological response, which means no tumoral cells left on the surgical specimen. So, you know, such approach would totally change what we are discussing on the margins, maybe what we are discussing on the adjuvant radiation therapy. So there, was, there is a shift of paradigm that is uh, on the way now. That's really promising. And how exciting would that be to you were one of those patients who was unfortunate enough to have Merkel cell carcinoma on the ALR rim or some very critical anatomic location to know that maybe doing neoadjuvant therapy could result in having to take less tissue. That's really important. As we wrap things up, do you have any final thoughts with which you'd like to leave our listeners? Yes. What we have to highlight is that all these studies are retrospective unfortunately, and we really need randomized trials in this cancer. And because it's rare, it's difficult to achieve. But regarding the question of margins, we have not only our study from France, but we have several studies also from the United States, from Seattle, from the Moffitt Cancer Center, 
So I'm quite confident that the upcoming guidelines would recommend uh, lowering margins down to one centimeter and adding adjuvant radiation therapy. And as I said earlier, maybe the immunotherapy will change all of these recommendations in the upcoming five years. Well, you're doing really great work, and I certainly appreciate everything that you're doing for our Merkel cell carcinoma patients. I look forward to seeing with what new guidelines show and with what your future studies will show as well. So thank you very much for inviting me. It was a great time. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to Dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.